Got your Bible? Yeah. Gonna get in some neat things today. Say, this is my Bible. I am what my Bible says I am. I have what my Bible says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'm going to be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind will stay alert today. My heart will be receptive. And I will be changed. Now this is big, what you're about to say. Say, I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Now, now I know time's short on us, and, and uh, this is a, a holiday week, and people have got things to do, and I understand people travel around, do things of that nature. We've certainly learned that. But, uh, but I've got something that's important to you. What I've shared with you the last three weeks, now last Sunday, Jeremiah preached for us last Sunday when we were in, and, and that's, I've heard it was absolutely marvelous. I haven't got a chance to hear it, but, uh, but I've heard it was an absolutely marvelous. And then Brother Joe preached for two Wednesday nights in a row. He, he shared with us... He shared with us the Wednesday. We were here the Wednesday prior, but we had just come in from Tuscaloosa. I knew I'd be late, and we were just all we could do to get back in time for church. And, and so Brother Joe preached Wednesday night a week ago, and uh, it was so good. I said, Brother Joe, I said, you got to keep on, on some of that next Wednesday night. And uh, they, he and Becky had went on vacation last week, and that's why they weren't here last Sunday. And, uh, and he, he called me the other day. He said, Brother James, I'm on my way back. It was on Tuesday. He said, if you need me, I'll, I said, I'll need you. I want you to preach. Amen. And, of course, we were in, in Shreveport. But uh, that was our office. But now here's the thing I want you to see. But the last three Sundays that I've ministered to you prior have been the most important information I've ever given anybody in my ministry Amen. in 38 years. That, that has absolutely been the most important information about your faith in God. Amen. I've never seen it the way I've been sharing it with you for the last, my last three weeks with you. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we got to preach a little bit of that in uh, Philadelphia up there. And there are two campuses of the churches there with Pastor uh, Stephen and Wanda. And uh, it was just a little, it was just a little hard. Now, they, you know, Brother Stephen told me, he said, because we preached on Saturday morning at the uh, Philadelphia church. And then Saturday morning, uh, excuse me, Sunday morning back at the Philadelphia church. And then we had to go to Pottstown, which is about an hour away, uh, to do a second service on Sunday morning. Then come back and get ready and go back to a Sunday night service. And, uh, and he told me, he said, Brother James, said, you're going you, to have to preach about 45, 55 minutes because he said, if we don't get you in the car, take you to the next campus, you, you know, they'll be waiting on you. And you won't have your mic on and can't preach. And so I said, well, you're going to have to help me because I'm not used to just quitting. You know, I'm just, I never get through. I just have to quit. And he said, I, I, I said, you're going to have to help me. So they helped me. <laughs> I'd be preaching. And when it was time to go to the next place, they'd start playing music. It's kind of like the final music on Jeopardy or something, you know. Da, 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 da. It really wasn't. It was just some good worship music, but it's just kind of funny because I, I knew this is, this is my ending music right here. <laughs> but we, we had a problem. Well, I got to share a little bit because we did a faith seminar up there. So we're teaching on faith. And, and it can't just start preaching like we do to you on a Sunday morning because um, well, I, don't, I don't want it to sound like they, they don't know anything. They do. But I'm just saying some of the things about faith that you've got working for you, they haven't. I'm just, I'm just simple things about where faith is concerned. So we had to start back on some things. And then by the last service, fourth service that we were up there, I got to preach a little bit about what I've been sharing with you for the last three weeks. God. Amen. And, and, I, you know, and I was good on Sunday night because I quit, Brother Jack. I quit before they played the music. <laughs> I quit before they played the music. I said, I'll, I'll bless God. They'll not do that to me. I'll just quit. <laughs> so I just, I just turned it over to the pastor and sat down and, and he stood up and he said, Brother James, we don't have to go anywhere now. now will you come back and finish preaching? <laughs> oh, okay. So I got to, got to preach a little more and uh, it was just funny. And then we sat down again and then they wanted to do question and answers because people yeah. were hungry. Right. Just absolutely hungry. But we did get to teach a little bit of this. I don't know. Oh, well, they, they leaned over, the pastor's wife leaned over to Susan and said, now, this was on Sunday night. said, do y'all have to be anywhere tomorrow? Of course, we've got to be on the plane, come back Tuesday morning. Yeah, do y'all have to be anywhere Tuesday morning? Because they wanted us to stay another couple of days and preach to them. And, uh, and that was just awesome, you know. Just, but, but we had to be in a hotel room with Ezra and John Parker. So we couldn't, you know, we had to, we had to get, get out there. Couldn't miss. And I really, I'm just joking about that because we had a good time. Because we got to really, the boys, I mean, just to be with them like that and, and to play with them. And, and I, just, I, I just got to know them better than they, uh, I've ever known them because that's just fun being with them like that. Amen. All right, but they, the people are hungry. But the things I've shared with you for three weeks, my last three weeks with you, has been the most important service. And I'm going to tell you why. Now, I've got to do a little reviewing because I've missed a week with you. And I'm not going to, now you don't think for a minute I'm going to review three hours worth of material in 10 minutes, but I'm going to take about 10 minutes and just do a little review with you. So you turn to these scriptures real quickly and you say, well, James, I don't, what do you mean turn to them? I don't like to bring a Bible to church. Well, that's, that's okay. You don't have to bring a Bible to church. Go wait in the car. We'll let you know when we're out. And uh, turn right quick to Mark chapter 11. Praise God. Amen. It is so exciting to be with you today because 
we are going, Lisa, where that vision that you, that, that you begin to share with us, that encouragement, that's where we're going. Amen. And uh, the Lord told me this morning, he said, James, he said, I want you to realize the people that you're speaking into their lives this morning, you're speaking into leaders of your future. Amen. And, and so you, you go ahead and take that. Mark chapter 11, I do want you to turn to these verses really quick. Mark the 11th chapter. And, and this is just now what I'm about to share for about 10 minutes now, just about 10 minutes of my time, or, or just simply some uh, reiteration, just kind of reviewing back about this and about how faith, because we're talking about imagination, Amen. the unbeatable force of imagination. Yes. Well, a lot of people throw the word imagination out, so that's not a Bible word, shouldn't be talking about imagination in the church, but yet the Bible's full of imagination. And, we, you know, and I, and I gave you some scriptures over the last three services about it. And what we actually find out that the images that we carry is actually our faith at work. That's right. It's our believing. It's the believing part of Amen. our faith. Amen. Mark 11, if, you, if you're familiar with I said 24, but you just back up to the 23rd verse. It says, of course, 22nd. Look back at 22nd. It says, have faith in God. Right. Or Jesus, now, that's Jesus standing there with the platter out in front of you saying, have faith in God. Have some. Right. You, have, you ever entertain some guests and walk around with the uh, horse devers? And, uh, <laughs> I was just seeing if y'all were listening. I actually did that, my uneducated self. I did that in, in college. I was in a, a, a class and we had to do a drama. And it was a speech class. So it wasn't that we were performing dramas, but we were, we were having to you know, project on the stage and do some things. And so she wanted us to read some lines. And it was actually that uh, Father of the Bride. Uh, you remember the old one with Jackie Gleason and all that? You know, the actual, was it not Jackie Gleason? No, Jack Lemon and, and all of that, you know, and that kind of thing. And so that was my, I was, I was the daddy of the bride and my daughter was locked up and I had to read and I was talking about how much money. And I, you know, we were reading these scripts, but we were projecting and all this. Well, I'd never seen the word horse devers before or derbs. I'd never seen hors d'oeuvres before. And so I just said that out loud in front of everybody that you, God could get in that auditorium. I said, I spent $32,000 on horse devers. And the girl that played my wife, she said, that's not horse devers. I said, excuse me? Well, yeah. I found out I'm in good company because uh, uh, Red Fox felt that way too about horses. He said that too one time. I don't mind, I don't mind being in a, in a sad group. I'm just going to preach anyway. I don't, okay, the tray, that's where we're at. Imagine a tray. You walked around serving. That's what I was talking about, serving you. Yes. And, and so have, have some of this. Have, have this shrimp on a cracker, whatever you're eating, you see. Have some. Well, that's what Jesus is saying in Mark 11, 22. Because the disciples were so excited, they'd never seen faith work like that, like they just saw done on that fig tree. And then Jesus just stretches out and said, have some faith in God. Right. You have yeah. it too. In other words, have you some. It'll work for you the same way. For verse 23, for whosoever shall say to the mountain, be thou removed. Now, this is Jesus talking, and he's talking to you. I want you to receive this. He said, whosoever shall say to the mountain. Now, here's how you take that, that spiritual hors d'oeuvre. He said, whosoever shall say to the mountain, what? Be thou removed, be cast into the sea. Now, he's not talking about you going out and moving a mountain. He recognizes the mountain that stands in our way could be the diagnosis from the doctor. Right. Amen. He understands that diagnosis could be the, that somebody wanted to break off a relationship or somebody just wanted to betray you or leave you or talk bad about you. I read something the other day that said, you know, before you go run off and talk all the bad things your pastor did, be sure and say the things he did to help you, you know. Yeah. Put that in the list. That's right. But anyway, it doesn't matter. And so you just go on and you just say, you know, have, you, you take your faith and you overcome your mountain. Amen. But now, now this is what we're dealing with is this second part of faith because faith is divided into two parts. It's in the heart and in the mouth. Right. And we've, done, we've had a lot of time on the attention or rather of, on the confessing part. Right. Most of you in this room know not to maintain negative confessions. That's right. Amen. Based on what, brother? It's based on the scriptures, you, you rat. Don't you know what the scriptures say? The Bible says a man that keepeth his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. But a man that's loose with his words brings many sorrow on his life. See, it's just words. Your words are important. Jesus said like this, Matthew chapter 12. He said, by your words, you're justified. Another word, exonerated. That's another word, exonerated. By your words, you're exonerated. Proven, you know, freed. You're, you're uh, proven not guilty. You're let go. Case never come up again. Flicks not rise a second time, right? So by your words, by what? By your words. By your words, you're exonerated, justified. And by your words, you're condemned or imprisoned. Amen. So you're either released Amen. by your words or you're imprisoned by your words. Uh, Francis Martin wrote a, song, uh, wrote a book years and years ago. I remember getting a hold of it in 1980. Jeremiah probably 1982 or 83. Francis Martin, you ought to look this up. I don't even know if it's still in print today. You ought to get you one if it is. It's called Hung by the Tongue. Wow. Hung by the Tongue. In other words, how, you, how your words will destroy your own life. You can... You can uh, because about, and that's, not a, that's not a bad phrase, hung by the tongue, because that's what Proverbs 6 says. It says, you, by your words, you're, well, Proverbs 6 says, you're snared, is the King James word. You're snared yeah. by the words of your mouth. You're taken, yeah. snared like a trap. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're putting yes. a trap by your words. Yes. You know, uh, Charles Capp said something to me one time. He, he was, we were talking about some things, and, and he said, you know, he said, I was praying for a guy one time, and the Lord told me, don't, don't waste your time praying for him anymore. And he said, I, I said, well, why did, why did the Lord tell you that? And he said, well, of course, he had learned it from Brother Hagin. He said, because the Lord told me not, not to do it. He said, because that man had already put spiritual law in motion with his words, and nothing I could do in my prayer would reverse it. That's right. Your words are important. It didn't say, it didn't say you're, you're exonerated by your pastor's words over you. Right. Or you're not exonerated by Frank's confession about you. Or even your mother's confession. You're exonerated by your words. And that's why, and of course, I'm, y'all getting this, right? The Bible says the, that you know, we've got weapons. And we've got to really use these weapons. And, and the first thing, I don't want to get back on words because I want to go to the next part, what we're, what we're dealing with today. But you understand how valuable the words are. Sometimes you just get pulled off of that because somebody, you can pick up in your spirit, somebody's arguing, well, I don't think confession's got anything to do with it. Look at my life. Yeah, that's why I'm teaching this to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. have, look at your life. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, you're, you know, but you've got to overcome it with your words. Yeah. And it doesn't just mean make, not just positive confessions in the sense of just saying something on a positive note. That's not what we're talking about. But making positive confessions based on Scripture. Yes. And then, then getting into the... So go back look at 23. Still at 23? Yes, sir. Whosoever. Say, whosoever means me. Whosoever, whosoever shall say, yeah. say to the mountain. To the be the removed, cast in the sea. Don't doubt in your heart, yes. but believe that those things you say yes. will come yes. to pass. You'll have now... But the word I'm wanting you to circle in that 23rd verse is right smack in the middle there. And believe those things. Yes. Amen. See, this is the part we don't hear much teaching on. This is the believing part. So, so little teaching on the word believe is actually done that we think we're in it when we're not. Mm. Ooh, that's good. Amen. And yet unbelief, you know, is, Jeremy, is a very dangerous thing because Jesus could not do any mighty miracles for the people in his own hometown of Nazareth simply because of their unbelief. That's right. Amen. That's right. Their unbelief canceled out Jesus. That's right. Amen. Well, listen, I don't have time to give you all this. You know it. But if, if the unbelief of the people could stop Jesus from doing a miracle in their life 2,000 years ago, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, your unbelief will stop him from working in your life today. That's right. So whosoever shall, now let's read 23 again and get it. Whosoever shall say to the mountain, be removed, cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Say believe. Believe. Believe that those things you say shall come to pass. Yes. We're going to deal with the believing part. That's the imagination. Amen. Believe that those things you say shall come to pass. You shall have, Jesus said, whatsoever you say. Amen. Now the, a better text would say for that last part of that verse 23, you shall have whatsoever you've continually been saying. Mm. That's why that's a better text. Because that word say doesn't mean say it one time. It means to say continually, to repeat it constantly. That, that becomes your confession. You know, again, to quote Charles Capps. Charles said, you know, just because you say something one time doesn't mean it's going to happen. The devil would be a real fool. He's, 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 he's stupid, but he's not dumb when it comes to destroying people. You know, if, if you could just make one confession and he'd just smash you with a fly flap and that'd be over for your life, then, then he'd do that. But how many of you would learn a lesson like, ooh, you know, if a, if a person was just saying that, well, well, I, you know, I just believe this is the day I'm going to die. And just said that one time and a car ran, you know, six blocks off the breach, down through the beach and, and hit them, something like that. And they died. You think, man, that confession stuff's really dangerous. <laughs> well, the devil's not going to let you see that. Uh-uh. He just writes it's down what you say in his little book. Yeah. Right. And he just holds on to it. And he's got authority over your life because of your words. You gave it to him. All right, so you got to keep your confession right. But whatever That's you've right. been saying continually, if you'll believe it on, and doubt yes. not in your heart, it'll come to pass. Now, verse 24 really deals with the believing part, and this is what Amen. we're going to deal with. And this is where most Christians miss it. Come on. Amen. Look at verse 24. Therefore. That's an interesting word in it. Therefore. What's it therefore? Why do they put therefore, therefore? Anytime you see the word therefore, stop and find out what it's there for. The word therefore means a connection. Right. It's a conjunction. We would use the word but. Or however. But it uses this word in the King James versions, therefore. But what this is important is because all the beautiful things that verse 24, most of you can quote 24, you know exactly what it says. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you desire, yes. when you pray, yes. believe that you have them and you shall believe you receive them and you shall have them. Right? right. Now, how many of you can put some things into that list of your desires? Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. But there's a big key word is that word, therefore. Which simply means, if you hadn't, this is why I'm on this this morning. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it facetiously for a minute, all right? This is why I'm wasting my time talking about confession. You know, I'm not, I'm not wasting, I'm just burning up my time. I'm not really wasting it. But I'm burning up time that we need to be talking about the believing part to get the confession. Because some of you are still arguing over confession. Come on. Come on. Some of you are still stuck on, it don't matter what I say. But, 
what he's saying is that therefore, you're not going to get the desires of your heart of verse 24. It's not going to work for you unless you're obeying verse 23. Amen. See, you've got to get this confession thing right. Yes. Saying to the mountain instead of talking about the mountain. Amen. So you can't, you can't be a mountain mover as long as you're a mountain builder with your words. Right? All these things we talked about. But then you get to this part. You get to, if you go ahead and agree with that, and I can't take you any further. If you, you, know, if you can't get the confession thing right, faith won't go any further because you can't be believing for one thing and saying another. You're, just sitting, you're, you're working against yourself. You're building a mountain rather than removing it. But therefore, verse 24, therefore, if you got the saying part right, if you're obeying verse 23, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire. Mm -hmm. Now that's not the normal word for desire, but don't throw the word desire out because desire is included in it. Mm -hmm. But it's actually the term, whatever you decide, the original text would say, whatever you decide, <laughs> this is for the word desire, whatever you decide is do you. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Okay. Whatever you decide is yours. Yeah. Amen. Whatever you decide is your rightful inheritance. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you decide, God's made available to you. Now, see, that's a, that's a big thing. That means you've got to spend some time in the Word or you won't know what belongs to you. Amen. That's right. Amen. You know, if you plant a garden, it's not a, it's not a hobby. It's hard work. And if you plant a garden and you go out there and you've know, been watching your tomatoes getting riper and riper and there you go, oh, another three days, they're going to be ready. Your corn's filling just right and the peas are looking filled out. And, you know, you just, you just, how many of you already watering at your mouth? <laughs> Thinking about that. You know, all this fresh vegetable squash is just about the right size. You don't have to wait too long with squash, but just about the right size. Yeah. Right. And in the morning you say, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to be able to get some of all of that. Or I'm going to get those tomatoes. I've been waiting on them for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks now. <laughs> and you go out there and you realize somebody else has already picked them. Right. Not for you, but from you. Right. right? <laughs> somebody's already picked them. Somebody's in the house is cooking your corn and, you know, somewhere else. Somebody, how many of you just throw a little fit about that? <laughs> I mean, you know, because you know that's your corn. Why does right. it do you? Because you're the one that planted it. That's right. Amen. It belongs to you. That's right. It belongs to you. All right. Now, if you don't ever decide that what Jesus paid the price for belongs to you, then you're not in a place what the Bible, King James says, calls desire. You're not, you don't enter desire. A lot of times we say, you know, God, Old Testament now, Psalms 37, God will grant you, the, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll grant you the desires of your heart. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I tried that and He didn't give me the desire of my heart. Well, most things you call a desire never qualified as a desire. That's right. You just had a want. Right. I wish I had. Mm -hmm. Come on. But when it becomes a desire, yeah. you do whatever it takes to get it. That's right. Amen. That's good. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Amen. When, when your goals become desires, you know it belongs to you. Mm -hmm. And nobody else can have this. Woo. Now, if you don't ever make it a desire, you won't get it. But now, we're going to get to the belief part. Are you still with me? Yes. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe. Now, this is the part we're dealing with. Believe what? Believe that you receive what you prayed for. Right. When? When you get it? No. no. When you pray for right. it. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Faith says it's mine the moment you pray. That's right. Believe you receive when you pray. Believe you receive the moment you pray. And we dealt with now for three weeks this idea about believing. What does it mean to actually believe something? I, I, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think I got to tell you all this. I was telling them they were laughing at me somewhere. I was preaching this. They might have been in Philadelphia. I don't remember. But uh, the night we were packing to go to Philadelphia, the night we were packing on, uh, I don't know what day we went. On, uh, we went on Friday. We went on Friday. So Thursday night we're packing. And Kristen, because she knows how to, you know, on mission fields, you got to pack yeah. lights, you know, and get everything in one little suitcase. And, and so we were packing and uh, trying to get everything ready. And I'm trying to study, getting ready for those, you know, opportunities to preach. And Kristen was in our room, our bedroom with Susan, with her mama in there packing the suitcase, rolling up things real neat, getting it all in there, you know, in a small amount of, a lot of stuff in a small amount of space. And she heard something in the light fixture just above our bed. You know, it's a little recessed light. You, put, you know, Jack, you know, and you cut the hole and push the little recess up in the sheetrock. And, and she could hear something crawling, which is in the attic right above it. She said, hey, something up there crawling. Well, we'd already killed a snake in the basement. I mean, you know, like I ain't want now. I don't want no snake dangling out there in the night. I, mean, you know. I said, "What do you What do you mean you hear?" She said, "I hear something crawling around." I said, "Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to bed with until we know what that is or who it is up there, and get rid of it." So we pull the bed out from the wall, you know, and I put a ladder up there, and 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 I, I'm gonna, you know, you can just pull that recess part down, a little frame around, it, you just pull it down, and and well, 
I said, now I'm going to, because I could hear it too, you know, I could hear it and, and just little, little uh, sheetrock dust coming out around. I said, something's crawling around right there. And I said, all right, I'm going to get up there and do it. All right. And I said, so I get me a screwdriver, you know. <laughs> well, you got to turn the light out because the light's there and it's so blinding. You can't see what I'm looking right. for. So I've got to turn the light out. So I give Kristen a flashlight. I said, now you hold this flashlight up on the light and I'm going to get up there and I climb the ladder. Now I'm standing up, you know. Up on the ladder, and I take my flashlight right. I'm fixing to find out what's up there, you know. And so I go, and man, this thing, I go, ah! I see, you know, something moved. And I like came off that ladder. And what was it, Daddy? What was it? And I said, I don't know. And I, then I'm like, oh, <laughs> it was the shadow of my flashlight, you, of, my, of my screwdriver. My screwdriver on the wall, and it was coming after. I mean, that thing doesn't come out. <laughs> now, my point is, what did I do? Now, was it something coming after me? No. It was a shadow of my screwdriver because she was holding the flashlight and it was a shadow of my screwdriver. Oh, don't laugh at me. I'll follow you around and laugh at you. Look at this. It wasn't anything getting me, but I acted like it was just the same. I came out of that place. I moved back. I mean, I got out of the way. I'm coming down that ladder without using the rungs. You know what I'm saying? I'm just sliding down. I'm Fireman James now. I'm coming down the ladder. What's the deal? What's the deal? Well, see, I'm acting like it's so because I believed it was something coming after me. And so if you say you believe you're healed, then you can't lay in the bed. Saying when I get to feeling better, I'll get up. You're going to have to start see, putting your imagination on what it's like to see yourself well. If you, if, if you can believe you're healed, then you get up and start acting like you're so. And then if somebody asks you how you're feeling, you don't get to give them the organ recital you gave last week. Right? Well, my kidney's this, my back's not doing right, and this, that, and that. You know, you can't go through all that. Because you say, well, I'm healed. You don't have to, don't, don't say, you don't, you don't have to say, well, I feel better, because that might be a lie. But, you know, because you know, right now you don't feel better. But you just say, well, I just believe I'm healed. Praise God. Right. Amen. God took my sickness, carried my diseases, and with his stripes, I'm healed. That's right. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I like to just, you know, I'm like you, you know, just like to say the way I feel about things. And, well, you know, just, anyway, I won't get into any examples of that. But I just sometimes I just want to say the way I feel about it, the way the finances are, the way this is, the way that's it, you know. And, and you know, I thought, well, you know, it would feel good to make that negative confession. But it would prove that I haven't believed I received. If I believed I received, then all I can do is give thanksgiving to God that I've already got the money that I prayed for. That, that, that happened to us the other day. We had a, had a financial breakthrough just the other day because we had to have money to get the kids to camp, you know, all the, enough funds to come in and do all the things we was going to do. And, and it just, all of a sudden, boom, we were sitting on the plane and there came a, on the email, 500 and something odd dollars. I thought, praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And, and you know, and, and so forth. And so I could tell you other testimonies that just supernatural things began to happen. And uh, every need and supplied. So it's a whole lot better to get to the end of it and God have done it rather than, Enjoy the feeling of giving a sad story. Come on, amen. Yeah. It's good. Because That's your right. belief has got to be stronger than your negative confession. Amen. It just has to overwhelm you. Say amen if you can amen. see that. So my job, the Lord told me, he said, he said, James, he said, your, your biggest part of teaching on faith in these last days is going to be the believing part because that's been left undone. And the believing is the imagination. Hebrew, now don't turn there. Just let me quote a verse to you. Hebrews eleven six. jot it down. I'm just still reviewing here for you just a minute. Hebrews eleven six says that without faith it's impossible to please God. And then he says, because, he said, anybody that comes to God. Now, I'm going I'm to say it like this. What do you come to God for? <laughs> Everything. Mm -hmm. right. You come to Him for a need to be supplied, yeah. right? Yeah. He said, now, here's why you come to God. You've got to come in faith. Without That's faith, right. you can't please Him. That's right. So he, he that comes to God must first mm -hmm. believe That's that God right. is. That's right. You can't believe that God's universe. You say, well, you know, the universe is going to do this for me. The universe ain't going to do nothing for you. God is the creator of the universe. Now, the, earth, the universe will yield to you. The Bible says it will. The universe will yield its benefits to you. But it's because of your relationship with God. You can't count God out of this thing and think you're going to get it. So you've got to first believe that God is. And secondly, you've got to believe that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Now, yeah. here, there's the believing part right Amen. there, and most of us have missed it for years. Mm -hmm. The believing part is, first believe that God is, but the second part, you've got to believe that He's a rewarder. Yes. Amen. Now, that word rewarder in the original Greek actually means, means a paymaster. There's what's due you. See, pays, it's like a, like a payroll master. It's paying you off of what, for what you've done. See, you got to believe that well, if I believe He's the paymaster that gives me healing because it's been bought for me. Now, it didn't mean you worked for it. Right. Jesus purchased it for you, but it's yours. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I'm going to go through this just because y'all need to think about it like this. You know, if, if I go out right now, if I, if I were to come up to you right now this morning and I say, you know, listen, um, yesterday, yesterday before I uh, uh, went home, I stopped by the Honda dealership up here and I bought, what's a, what's a good Honda? I don't know, what's the best Honda? I don't even know what they got. Pilot, thank you. All right, SUV, Pilot, okay. I went and bought you, you. I bought you a Pilot. And I found out what your favorite color was, which happened to be red. And I bought you a red one or blue one. Bought two of them now. All right. Look at this. But I bought it for you. I paid cash for it. And so they're getting it all cleaned up. You know, it's brand new. Getting it, you know, getting all ready and filling it up with gas. And uh, they want you to be out there Monday morning uh, about 9 o'clock. And you can pick it up. Now, what if you go up there at 9 o'clock? And you say, yeah, my name is uh, Nita and... Uh, my pastor, Brother James, told me that he bought me a new Honda Pilot. Uh, that, yeah, well, he was in here. He was in here. And he bought a Pilot, yeah. But now, your name's what? You, Anita says, my name's Anita. Well, now, the check said James Gardner. And uh, so you don't, you don't have a right to this because it wasn't your money. And you said, this is why he told me to show up at 9 and I'm here at 8.30. <laughs> because exactly. I don't care if it was my check. It was my pastor's check, That's right. but he said it's mine. That's right, amen. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't just sit back. Well, you're right, you know. That's Brother James's money. I can't drive it. I can't. No, you wouldn't do that. That's well, that's right. the same way with everything Jesus purchased Come for you. Yeah. You don't say, "Well, I know I don't deserve healing." It ain't nothing about whether you deserve healing. That's it's about right. whether or not he amen. bought it for you. That's right, amen. That's right. Listen, amen. somebody, somebody buy me a meal, and I, I and they put the meal in front of me, and I'm sitting there with a friend, and they bought me this big nice meal, and and, and that's well, I can't eat that because that wasn't my money. Oh, no, I'm going to eat it because my friend bought it for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. Right. And he bought everything for you. Now, you decide that what he did for you is do you. Come on. And you're not going to take no for an answer. Come on. Come on now. Come on. So then you got to start believing he's a rewarder. What does that yes. mean? Paymaster. Yes. He's fixing to pay me off for what I'm believing. Let's listen to this definition about this word paymaster. It means someone paying what is due. It means a rewarder or a paymaster. Somebody giving you what you haven't earned. But you've got to start. See, that's the believing part. Because if you believe you receive, you believe that he's a rewarder, then you believe you have it. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's right. Now, how did I act when the shadow of the screwdriver went up there? Just like it was a woolly booger done come out of that light fixture. Right? Same way I would have. All right. How do you act if you believe you're healed? You act healed. How do you act if you believe that God supplies all you need according to his riches and glory? Come on, talk to me now. How do you act? Well, you've got to act like you're wealthy. That's right. How many of you believe in for more than $20? Come on. Amen. You better be. Come on. Amen. $20 won't get you far. That's right. Not if you're going to buy my, buy my million years too. You better believe for more than 20 All right. How, how are you going to do it? How are you going to act? Let's, let's just say, I'm just going to use a figure. What if you're saying I'm believing to be debt free this week? Come on. Amen. I don't, know, I don't know what you might owe for. You got your house paid off and you, all your bills paid off and you don't owe any credit cards anymore. And how many of you just like to have your payday next week and not owe anybody anything out of it? Amen. That's right. Amen. Well, you believe in for that. Well, how are you going to act? How are you going to act if you believe you receive? Amen. You're going to act like you're debt free and say, act like you're not debt free. Yeah. See, what, what, does a, what does a person in debt do? No, honey, I'm sorry. We can't have that. We can't afford that. <laughs> if, you, if you believe you receive and you're debt free, then you're going to enjoy ice cream this That's week. That's right. Amen. Right? Yeah, yeah, we'll go do that. Yeah, we can go do that because I believe I'm debt free. So I said, that'll get you in trouble. It will if you're doing it based on, on presumption. But if you're doing it with a relationship in the Lord, you're, you're obeying the one thing he said to do. Everybody say believe. Listen to this. Seeing, seeing it or acting like it's so. Now I'm going I'm to give you a statement here. I want you to listen to this. To hold positive images. Now this, I wrote this down late last night and I hope it makes sense. And this is what we've been talking about for three weeks. To hold positive images of what you believe you receive when you pray, then your faith begins to create the image into a reality in your life. Amen. This is, now, somebody said, is that Bible? You better believe it's Bible. Look, look at Hebrews. You turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Let me Amen. take Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hallelujah. So I said, now, Brother James, is that true that we actually, our faith actually creates? Now, what is our faith? Our confession and our believing. What's our believing? Let me give you a definition for believing that maybe get all of us on the same page. Faith is our ability to believe. Remember when, when Abraham it said uh, against hope believed in hope? 
God had told him, you're going to be the father of a multitude. Remember that? In Ro I'm, I'm quoting Romans 4 while you're finding Hebrews 11, 1, right? In Romans chapter 4, it says, Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. When he was told by God he would be the father of many nations, he had no natural ability physically to be a father of a child. His wife, that was to be the mother of this baby, had no physical ability to give birth to this baby. But the Bible says in the original text, he had, hope, uh, had faith, he hoped against hope. What it means, I like this original text, it says, he, when, when everything was hopeless, he just believed God anyway. Come on, amen. But this idea that I'm trying to get across to you is to believe something means you hold the image or the right. imagination of it on yes. the inside. You're yes. imagining it. Just like I imagine the shadow and you act accordingly, then you've got to start acting accordingly because you believe. Amen. Amen. That's good. Amen. If you're not in the place where you're acting out what you believe, then you're not in the place I believe. That's good. So let me, let me read this, this statement to you. Faith is the ability to believe and believing is the ability to hold on to an imagination. Amen. That coincides, of course, with what you say is yours. Faith is the ability to believe, but to define this, the believing then is the ability to hold the imagination of what you believe you receive. Wow. So a person that's actually wow. believing is holding the imagination to where they're, they're, they're fanning at a, a bug that everybody else can't see. Wow, wow. that's good. Wow. Oh, y'all wanted to hear the rest of the story and find out what it was up yes. there? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. It was a, what was that thing? It was a beetle. It was a big old beetle. I start to say size of Susan's purse, but that's a golf bag size. That's a big old beetle. And uh, you say, well, it wouldn't hurt nobody. <laughs> Dropped out of the ceiling on me at night. It made me hurt everybody in the neighborhood. You understand what I'm saying? I ain't going to sleep with that on there. But anyway, so we got out and <laughs> killed it two or three times. All right. Y'all with me? Yes. Hebrews 11 and 1. Did you find it? Yes. Look at this. Now faith is. Now, boy, if that's all we had were those three words, you got to, it's not a little while later faith is. It's not when you start feeling better faith is. Right now faith right. is. And if it's right. not now faith, then it's not faith at all. That's right. You believe you receive, you got to start acting as though it's so right now. That's right. Amen. You believe uh, the war between you and that person is over, then you got to start acting like you're their Amen. friend right now. Amen. Amen. That's right. Well, what if they? It ain't nothing about they. That's right. It's all about you. You know, Peter made that mistake one time. He went up to, to Jesus. When, remember when Jesus was pressuring Peter about, uh, Peter, do you love me? Because Peter, Peter quit the ministry. Remember when Jesus died, Peter quit the ministry. After three and a half years of miracles, walking on water for Peter, he quit the ministry and went back to fishing for a living. And he found himself just like he was before. You know, at least it says, well, anyway, when you get out, you read that this morning, when you get away from the Word, you'll find everything, losing everything again. That's what happened to Peter. He, he was fishing and catching nothing, met Jesus, had more fish than he'd ever seen in his life, and everything was provided for him, taken care of him for three and a half years, and at the end of three and a half years, because Jesus died, he gave up the ministry, went back to fishing for a living, and what did we find him? Next morning, fished all night, caught nothing. He's just like he was three and a half years earlier. He's right back where he was without the Word. The Word was doing all that for him for three and a half years. And Jesus said, later on the shore, said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah, I love you. you know. He said, well, then feed my sheep. And then Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, do you, kind of stronger the second time, Peter, do you, do you really love me? Well, Lord, you, yeah, you know I love you. You know all things. He said, then feed my sheep. Yes. Oh, good. Maybe he'll leave me alone. No, not Jesus. He comes back. Peter, do you really, really love me? Yes. And he said, Lord, you know all things. Yes. You know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. God's just giving him pressure over this thing. So Peter tries to get the pressure off him and get it over on John, who's walking over there counting the fish they just caught in the net. And he says, what about him? What are you going to do about John? Jesus said, if I want him to live until I come back again, that's nothing to you. So how another person acts, what another person does, between them and the Lord, that's not your job. Your job is to make sure you're acting in faith. Period. All the time. Yeah, but I, I'm acting like I'm healed and they're all still pointing out that I'm dragging my foot, you know, because it's, you know, I, where I broke it or whatever. And I'm, they're still all pointing out. No matter what they do, yeah. you maintain your faith. Yeah. That's right. You're not trying to convince them of something. That's right. you're, you're trying to keep your heart holding on oh, to the image good. of you with a non-broken yes. bone. Yeah. Amen. Yes. You see that? Yeah. Right, that's your job. Now look at this. So to hold on to the positive images, this is what faith is, of what you believe, you receive when you pray, then faith begins to create the image. Now this, look at Hebrews 11, 1. Faith will actually begin to put it. So I said, now you can't say your faith will actually start creating something. I, you're right. I didn't say it though. God said it in Hebrews 11, 1. God says, now what, listen, he says in King James. You got your Bible open there? Faith is, the, now faith is, right? Now faith, everybody say now faith. Now faith. Now faith is the substance 
of the dream, things you hope for. Faith is the substance, tangible things, of the thing you've been hoping for. The evidence of things not seen. Amplified says it's the evidence or the proof or the title deed of things not yet revealed to the five physical senses. Doesn't mean they don't exist because you can't see them. Because they're as much a reality as the shadow of the screwdriver. There's much a reality as you decided to make it. Are you, are you hearing me? Yes. Now, you're yes. fixing to get into something. I'm trying to get you up to this point. Now, we're fixing to get into something that's going to just be powerful for Praise you before God. we go home. Amen. So, Amplified says, faith is giving substance. What? Your faith starts putting two-befores to the blueprints you've been carrying around. Amen. That's a dream. Amen. I mean, have you ever had a set of blueprints for a house you want to build? My daddy was a builder, so there were blueprints all the time at our house. All the time. And sometimes he was sketching on his own. You know, he, he'd sketch a little. He didn't, he didn't have to pay Johnny Simmons to... Johnny was the big... Uh, you remember that, Sue? Of course, you remember Johnny Simmons used to do all the blueprints around Moore County for years and years and years. He's retired now. But I'm just saying, daddy didn't do it. He'd just draw out his own. And, and he knew what he wanted in that, and he could build it because he carried the blueprints in his heart. And uh, no, that doesn't mean he didn't use Johnny Simmons when he was building somebody else's house, but for something of his own because he don't know what they want, you know, right, right. and they had to draw that out. But the idea I'm trying to get you to see is you can't live in a set of blueprints yeah. except in a dream. Yeah. You can say, this is my bedroom. This is, this is the man cave right here. This is this. This is that. And, and you get excited and you're almost in that. Amen. In your mind, you're dreaming, you're living in that. But then once you go to operating in faith, the believing part, Jeremy, it says that your faith then begins to put substance or put building materials yeah. to the blueprint. Uh-huh. See, so you can't live in a set of blueprints, but you get the blue, you got to have the blueprints. Right. But then they start backing that truck up there. Doot, 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 and they're unloading those two befores and they're unloading the floor joists and the blocks or whatever's involved in your, in your, in your vision. Amen. So it begins to put substance. Your own faith will start creating Amen. what you're believing. Believing. You know, I mean, in play acting, we understand that. Play acting, a person can do that. Uh, do improv, you know, just... Yeah. Ava was talking about when they were... When she was in Go, you know, they, they, the team, the, the team, uh, road team, home team, was so close that they could improv with each other, almost know what the other one was going to do yeah, next yeah. and which direction they were trying to pull you, you know. And so, yeah. you know, and, and, and they would change things on you. I, I'm just trying to make up yeah. something, but I'm trying to get you to see what believing, and if you're not right, doing what I'm it. telling you right now, it's not working for you as much yeah. as you wished it would. That's and that right. is if, you know... It's like a, like a play actor that's standing there just in their T-shirt and blue jeans, you know, just regular clothes. And they say, okay, and this is to a guy now. This guy said, you are now a, uh, a woman that lives on Wall Street and you've got billions of dollars and you're a, a, an old spinster and you've uh, got a little dog named Fufu. Well, immediately he changes his improv and throws his mink stole back and he begins to walk, you know, and then Fufu go home, you know, and that, that's called acting. Yeah, amen. That's called using your imagination. Right, amen. And we're all born with it. And we don't even, we're not even born with poor self-images of ourselves. Yeah. You've never seen a baby born with a poor self. How many ever met a baby that didn't have a real high opinion of himself? Yeah, yeah. Huh? <laughs> I want it now! <laughs> of course, they don't say it in English. They go, nah! You know, and then you say, well, I'll just get them something a little bit later. No, 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 now! <laughs> and you got, you got adults running around like, huh, ah, he thinks he ought to eat right now, 3 a.m., I'll eat right now. Yeah. Why is that? Because yeah. they not, you're not born with poor self-images. Right. That has to be created in you somewhere. Right. You have to think very low of yourself. And I'm sorry to tell you, but religion, most churches we grew up in, uh-huh. has taught us, spent their life teaching us to not think anything about yourself wow. of any value. Right. You say, well, you can love people, you don't love yourself. And that's not true. Jesus said you've got to love yourself. He said, he said we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Right. You're not going to love your neighbor any better than you're loving yourself. And then that's, of course, that's in Matthew chapter 12, Mark 11, so Mark 12. And, and then, but he later said, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, no man ever hated his own flesh, but loveth himself and cherisheth himself. And he's talking about loving your wife, but you can't love your wife till you're in love with yourself. Not a selfish thing, but you love yourself enough to have a good self-image of yourself. Image. Imagination. Self-image. How do you imagine yourself? That's what I've got to deal with today before we go home. What, what um, images, what visualizations are we using to keep our future goal in front of us? I said to you a couple of weeks ago that whatever you're imagining right now is a preview of the coming attractions in your That's life. Right. Amen. That's right. 
Now, we have all know what it is to have negative imaginations or negative expectations. I say, well, it's going to be the same. I go for that job interview. It's going to be just like all the others. And, and that's called a poor self-image of yourself. Instead of holding your head up high and being uh, expecting, we go a lot of times into a place like that and, and uh, we just go in there crawling and graveling and I, like, I don't know if I can do this or do that and, or if they'll honor me enough to give me the raise that I think I deserve. But you're going to have to, you have more self-image than that. This is what I want to talk to you about today just in a few minutes. I'll let you go home real quick because we've spent too much time on that other. But did you get anything out of that? Yes. But now, listen, and that's, that don't cover what we spent three weeks prior to covering. You need to get the, the messages on that. But here's something I want you to think about real quickly. And this is what my job assignment is to do today is talk to you about getting rid of the little you image. Amen. Getting rid of the little image of yourself, the little you, the little you image, little me. Getting rid of that little me image. Eliminating. The image of the little you. Image, imaginations are important. When I start to tell you, for Abraham, he had visualizations that God gave him. Right. God says, when you don't believe that you really got children like a multitude, he said, go out and look at the stars. Yes. Amen. He said, that's the way your seed's going to be. That's right. So those stars became visualizations to get his imagination on that's what my family looks like. Sand, grains of sand, the same way. God says your, your children, offspring is going to be like the... This, God's trying to get one son to him, but he's telling him about a multitude. Yes, amen. amen. Come on. He said, I want you to start seeing offspring like that. Now, the thing, the thing is, and this is where most Christians miss it, if you're not seeing the reality and feeling even the emotion of what it is you're believing for, you're not wow. using your imagination properly. See, again, now, I keep using this on the ladder, but on the ladder, I had all the emotions mm -hmm. of something getting me. Yeah. Yeah. It was real to me because I, I was believing. Right. Amen. Now, we've got to do the same thing where our faith is concerned. Okay, right quick. Now, it's something interesting I thought about uh, last night I was reading. Cave drawings. Because, Brother James, you're teaching us something new about imagination. Oh, imagination. <laughs> using imagination or images or visualization has been around since the dawn of man. Because God's the one that had images in it. You know, the Bible says we were created in God's image. Mm -hmm. One way to look at that that we haven't spent any time on is that we came out of His imagination. Mm -hmm. right. He imagined Amen. us, His image, and conformed us to His image of us. Right. It's right. His image, Amen. but it's His image That's of us. Right. The way He wanted us to be. Cave drawings, you know, if you go into any of those caves and, and where they've drawn, you can go through that in Alabama. And go back several uh, hundred years and look at drawings that were done by native Indians. And, you know, but, but I'm thinking right now of some of the, what they call the caveman drawings in some of the other countries. I've seen pictures of them where they've got um, men out there with their, with their spears and, you know, sharp tipped spear or whatever it is they're using. And arrows sometimes, depending on what, uh, you know, century you're looking at. And they've got maybe buffalo or antelope or deer, you know, whatever. And they're chasing, and, and this, that's the cave drawings. Yeah. And we always thought, oh, they left us a message so we'd know. Uh, they weren't even thinking about you and me. No. Right. But you know what? You've got to realize something. That cave was their home. Yeah. And they didn't have, um, I don't know the name of it, Home Depot. That's not right. Decorating place. They'd peer, okay, I thought we, Hobby Lobby. They didn't have a Hobby Lobby to go get any stuff to put on the wall, right? So they drew their own pictures. But now what they've discovered is what they were doing, they weren't trying to tell a story of what happened on the hunt. They were keeping the image of how successful the hunt would wow. be tomorrow. Wow. Before. That's, That's what they say. That, that means wow. the people that study it now say what they were doing is they were keeping a positive image wow. of expectation wow. of how the hunt was going to be the next day. Amen. You always find me getting the right. buffalo. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's That's an good. important thing that we keep images in front of our, of our mind all the time. Yeah. Amen. Uh, you're still in Hebrews? Yes. Look at Hebrews 11, 11, just for a minute. I, I stop off with this. Just for a minute. We won't be long. Hebrews 11. Let me get back over there with you. Y'all are there, but I've got to get there. That's getting a little... Is that in the New Testament? Hebrews 11, 11. Look at this about Sarah. Now, we talked about Abraham with sand and stars. Look at this. Verse 11 says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she was delivered of a child when she was past age. Yeah. 
because. Now here's the key. I'm going to just say it real drastic because I'm out of time. Here's the key to an old woman having a baby. Here's the because. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. You ready for this? Got your pencil ready? Yes. Better write this down. The word judged means she made the thought of her being a mother the leading thought in her mind. Mm. Wow. The word judged means that she literally looked at the situation, saw that God was able, and then she started imagining herself holding a baby. I would imagine if you had seen Sarah in the days prior to her actual pregnancy, but she believed she received, she might walk around like this. Now, that might not look too strange unless you're about 90-something. And they say, what are you doing, Sarah? She said, I'm rocking my baby. What baby? I've got a little baby. And I'm sure she had some idiot friend and said, that's not a, you're not pregnant, that's a tumor. Right? Oh, y'all are just... You don't think she heard things like that? I had a good pastor friend, uh, his wife. They were having their fourth child. Decided they wanted to have natural, the baby natural at home and and all those kind of things. And, and so she, was, she said, I'm not going to a doctor, not even, not even for the first checkup. I'm just going to I'm I'm, I'm get pregnant and have this baby because they, believe, they had three boys. They believed for a girl, blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl. And that's what we want. And that's what we ask God for. And we're just going to do everything at home. And her mother, this, this, this woman's mother, would tell her all the time, say, honey, you know, she's, now she's starting to show a little bit. You know, I said, you better get to the doctor. That could be a tumor. Wow. She said, no, mother. And, you know, she had to cut off relationship with her mother for about the last seven months. Yeah. Because her mother was so negative, it was trying to rob her image. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, she had a bouncing, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby Praise girl. God. Amen. Yes. Amen. You know, people try to steal your dreams not meaning to, but that's just the way they're programmed. Amen. All right. I'm about, about to be finished here, but this, this will help you. So Sarah judged him faithful, said that she made the thought of her being a mother the leading thought in her mind. Look at Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 look at verse 19 about Abraham when it was time to offer Isaac. This is something, so I don't believe we ought to talk about imagination. Well, I, I know you don't, but God does, and we'll stick with His idea. Amen. Look at verse 19. Because of time, it says, um, verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, tempted, tested, or tried, he offered up Isaac, his only son, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called. Now watch what Abraham was doing in his imagination. Verse 19. He was accounting or convinced himself, the word accounting means he convinced himself, that God was able to raise Isaac up. Remember when God said, take the life of your son. He said, put him on the altar and kill him. He said, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Now underline it, here it is. From whence also he had received him in a figure. That means Abraham already carried the imagination or the image in his heart that my son is raised up from the ashes. You know, you and I wonder, how could that man put his... And of course, God told him to do it. And he'll never tell anybody else to do it. Don't ever come and say, God, I think God told me to kill my children. No. Don't ever tell me that because they might have told you to spank them. They didn't tell you to kill them. Look at this now. How could a man put his son, he's nearly 20 years old now, put his son on that altar, tie him up, take the sacrificial knife, raise that brawny arm of the desert to come down on him. And he was ready to do it. And God stopped him just as he was on the downswing. How could he do that? Because you think, I don't know how he could do that. Well, I don't either in the natural. But the point was he was already living in the image of him and his son going back home, resurrected from the ashes. This was nothing. He was already past it. Can you see that? The image was more real. A person could be walking to work but believe they have a new car. And they don't even sweat on the road because they believe they're in that good air conditioning. And it's taken over their mind and faith is putting substance to it. He'd already received it in a figure. Now, real quickly, just a couple of things. The faith that God is trying to get us to understand that we all are born with the ability to have problem solving in our life. Every one of us. Every one of us can come out of anything we want to by just using our faith. There's not anything you'll ever face, not physically, not relationship-wise, not financially. You know, sometimes people are trying to gain weight. Sometimes people are trying to lose weight. Some people are trying to get a relationship back. Some are trying to get any kind of relationship at all. And, and people are just trying to get bills paid. I mean, people are running all kinds of things. But the idea is that God has already put the problem-solving ability on the inside of every person. Yes. Yes. 
And the only reason that problems sometimes look overwhelming or unsolvable is because we've weakened that ability to solve problems with our doubts. We've weakened it with our poor self-image. This is why I was saying to you, self-image is so important. So God's trying to convince us that we all got the ability to do it. But our job is to hold on to the image. Don't, don't ever be a person that says I can't. You know, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. That word ask doesn't mean ask like, Lord, can I please have this? The word ask means to demand. Right. Amen. I mean, have you know, if you got money in the bank account and you go down to the teller window, they call, that's called making a demand that's on right. your account. That's when you write a check, that's what you've done. Or use today, use your debit card. You've made a demand on your account. Now, that doesn't mean you go in there and slam your fist down on the counter and say, give me what's mine. You don't do it like that. In fact, they won't give it to you unless you write out a check properly. Right. You can get mad about it. Throw the suckers up in the air. Going, suckers going everywhere. Give me my money. I'm making demands. You give me my money right now. And they say, well, Mr. Gardner, we, we know you got money in here and we're willing to give it to you, but you got to go through the proper channels of writing the check out and sign back of it and put cash or whatever you got to do, you know, to withdraw that money. You got to go through the proper procedures. And I don't care how bad you act out here. We're not going to give it to you till you do the right thing. Right? That's called making a demand. Well, see, that's what the word ask means when you read it in the Bible. It doesn't mean say, God, may I please have. You don't need to ask God for anything like that because God's already given it to you. That's right. Amen. It's up to you to take it. Come on. You, so you make a demand on what's yours. You're not demanding from God. He's not withholding. That's right. You say, I make a withdrawal. How do you make that? With believing and confession? Yes. yes. Amen. Amen. So asking you receive or make that demand. And that's when mountains begin to move. Things. So now look at this real quick. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. We'll, we'll close here real quick. Close real quick right here. Numbers 13. And I'm going to read verse 30 through 33. You let me know when you, uh, when you find that. Anybody get anything out of this? I know we're fixing it. We're fixing it. This miss go home. Blessed be God. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Chapter 13. You got to imagine yourself. As God imagines you. He spoke to me yesterday. I told Susan, I said, that's exciting. I said, you know, you ought not carry any imagination about yourself that God doesn't hold about you. Amen. Don't ever imagine yourself something other. You visualize yourself the same way that God does. See yourself as big. Now, we're talking about not being the little person, the little you. I think on the inside of every person, there's a big you and a little you. And it's whichever one you let win. There's a little, what we call a poor self-image. Mm-hmm. Right? How many of you, sometimes that tries to come out. I can't do this. I can't do that. Poor self-image. How you imagine yourself. And, but you gotta, we've got to get out of the inadequate feelings. That's right. Amen. And only the Word of God can do it. And here's, here's the people that felt inadequate. This was the children of Israel. This is God's people. And they come to the promised land. God's done a million things to get them here. Bless them, you know. Are you listening to me? Yes. A million things to bless them. And then they get to the promised land. They go and spy out the land. And they come back. And let's just pick up with verse 30. Caleb stilled the people, quieted them down before Moses and said, let's go up at once and possess it, the promised land, for we're well able to overcome it. There's a man of faith, you see. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able. There's the little you. Little thinking. Little me. We be not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. Now most people see your own troubles as stronger than you. The cancer is stronger than you. The age problems as stronger than you. But you can't do that. So it says they brought, verse 32, they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw in it are of men of great stature. Big people. Now watch verse 33 and they'll tell on themselves. You ready? Watch this 33rd verse. And there they said we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight as grasshoppers. They had a very, very small image of themselves. They saw themselves as an insect in the face of their future. And that's where a lot of Christians are stuck today. A lot of Christians stuck in that. Little, I can do little. One thing you notice in this, we were grasshoppers in our sight, therefore we're grasshoppers in their sight. You ought to write this down. People will always see you the way you see yourself. Whatever image you hold of yourself is the way those around you are going to see you. And if you've got a poor, non-godly self-image, then I'm sorry, but that's the way people will just see you. It's just an automatic thing. It can't be helped. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. One of the greatest opera, Italian opera singers that ever lived was Enrico Caruso. 
He was the famous tenor Italian opera. If you've ever heard him sing, I mean, you, you just can't. I mean, you, I mean, pro, I promise you, if you do this, you pick a song like, uh, like, uh, uh, "It Is Well with My, my Soul." You take a song like that, and Enrico starts saying, this, this, they called him the king of singing. It's before Elvis Presley was the king. And this guy, this guy was born in 1873. Lived, he died very young, 1921 he died. But they said, most people said he was perhaps the greatest singer that ever lived. You get on the stage and sing in that uh, style of opera that he, he did. I mean, just, it, I, I mean I, here's what I started to tell you a minute ago. You go turn on one of his songs like, like one I just mentioned to you, you won't be able to turn it off. I mean, it just keep you spellbound almost, as we say. Powerful singer. But when he started out as an opera singer, in his early days, he battled a poor self-image. And they said that he was in the back wings one day, getting ready to perform. His back wings of the stage there, getting ready to step out on the stage and it would be his time to sing. And they said, all of a sudden, a spirit of fear hit him. Wow. And, and stage fright is called oftentimes. And he got so unnerved by it that his throat constricted. And they said, people that sat around said he literally was shaking all over. And it was just about seconds before he was to go on. And one of the stagehands that stood back there said, overheard him say this to himself. He wasn't talking to anybody around him. He said, get out of me, you little me. Make way for the big me. Wow, praise God. Get out of my way, little me. Get out, 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 he said. He was talking to that little image yes. on the inside of him that saw himself as a grasshopper. I can't do wow. that. And said in a few moments' time, he was out there singing and had the, had the control of the audience. Wow. One of the greatest singers that ever lived. It didn't mean he didn't have to overcome something. Right. And they, I mean, you know, you, you take that same night, they said, the stagehand was one that told the story. Said, I watched him. He was shaking literally. And then in a few minutes, he rebuked that guy. That little him on the inside went out there. And before long, the whole crowd standing, clapping Praise with encore, God. encore. They wanted yes. more of it. What were they clapping for? The greatest singer that ever lived? Come on. No, they were, they, they were clapping for the big me that on, got out of the way of the little me. Yes, amen. A man that was brave enough to say, this is what God's called me to do and I'll do it. Yes, amen. Believe it. I, I read about a lady that, and, and this is just a little quick story I'll tell you, but a lady came to a pastor and said, I need your help because she said, you know, her husband worked for a particular company that whenever they were going to hire somebody or going to promote somebody, they would throw a party for the for the for the the main leaders of the, you know, the, the executives. And they would invite the wives or husbands or whatever the case might be because they wanted to know because you could tell a lot about a person by their mate yeah. right. and the way they act and so on. And, and she knew, the wife knew because her husband was up for a promotion and they were throwing a big party. And she knew that she would be on trial that night as to whether or not he got it. And, uh, and she was uneducated, you know, said all, she told this pastor, I said, you know, you got to understand, said every one of these people are Ivy League, the wives, all their wives are Ivy League graduates and, and said, I just barely finished high school. Said, they'll talk about things I won't know anything about and they won't be able to. And this pastor had mind enough to tell her, said, just, just spend the next day or two before that party's coming up. Imagining yourself being charming and imagine yourself talking above of them. Because whatever image you hold, of yourself will come out. Yeah. Yeah. He said, just begin. I, I thought, let, can I tell, take a little sidetrack and tell you another mm -hmm. story? Let, write this down because I'll give you this. We're fixing to go home. That's good. Come on. If that makes you mad, I'm just telling you, you don't really have to go home when I say that. You can go, you can go to Walmart if you want yeah. to, but I'm fixing to let you go. You ought to pinpoint back in your own life whatever brought inferiority to your life. Generally, it comes out of childhood. I, what made me think of this, I'll finish the story about the lady. It wasn't, wasn't that big a deal other than she did exactly what he said. She started using her imagination. She overcame it. He said her husband got the promotion and she was the, you know, the life of the party, you know, in the sense of the charm. And, uh, but here's another guy that said that he was a grown man. Now, he was, he was um, in his, I think, late 50s. And he went for a little help. Now, I, I'm thinking of Enrico backstage when he went through that, I mean, I know what it is to have psychic problems. You know, I, you know that's, listen, did you know that inferiority is a mental complex? It is a mental illness. Wow. Whenever you're not holding the right images that God's got of you, it's actually a mental illness against you, using your own mind to defeat you. Wow. And I know what it is to have intimidation and fear. And this one particular man, though, he, he went for some help. He was in his near 60s. And um, he said... Um, he said, everything I try to do is over my head. 
He said, every time I try to do something, I just sink. And he didn't know that he was giving away his problem by the words he was using. I just sink. I'm always getting in over my head. It's too deep for me. And somebody said to him, said, you need to go back and find out where that spirit of inadequacy came from. What it was when he was a little boy, he got thrown into a swimming pool. Mm -hmm. And he nearly drowned, just as a little boy. And from that point on, his mother wouldn't let him swim anymore. And he said, I'd have to stand there watching all my friends swim. And said, my mother said, you can't do that. You stand over here. You don't, you almost drowned. You can't do that. And said, he went all of his teenage years and adult years. And said, he battled that. And his words were given away. Now he's an adult. And I'm in over my head. I'm about to sink. I'm in too deep in life. See? But when he went back and uprooted that and said, you know what? Bless God, I'm not, I'm not inadequate. I'm extremely adequate. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was the scripture the man told the woman. Said, you begin to confess. I can do, the pastor told that woman that was going to the party, confess, I can do all things through Christ. And she was the life of the party. So go back and find out what's bothering you. Now look at this, look at this. Write three things down real quickly. Just jot them down. This is where I wanted to get to early. Develop a deep sense of the presence of God in your life if you want to come, overcome inadequacy. Get a deep sense of the presence of God in your life. Now, I'm going to tell you a scripture on it, and you're going to be glad. Think, man, I can do that. Start imagining yourself. Use your image. How many of you can imagine? Start imagining yourself walking in hand in hand with God. He said He'd hold you by the right hand, right? Right. Start imagining yourself. The God that creates the smallest little pretty flower walking with you. Because He's the same God that holds the constellations in their place. Amen. And He's walking with you. You're walking with the source of all power when you're walking hand in hand with God. Develop a deep inside idea that me and God are always buddying around together. Now, now, here's the three things I was going to get you to write down, and, and this is how it works. It's, it may sound corny to say it because we talk about these things so much, but number one, develop a prayer life. Yes. Amen. That's right. Amen. And I'm not going to spend much time on that, but learn to talk with God. Yes. And He doesn't want a monologue from you. Come on. Right. Amen. Amen. That's right. He wants a dialogue where He gets to talk too. That's right. Amen. Come on. I imagine God gets tired of hearing us go on and on about our problem. Yeah. You're not even supposed to talk to Him about your problem. You're supposed to talk to Him about His greatness. Amen. Number one, develop a prayer life. Number two is start reading the Bible, not because you're supposed to, Come on. but because you want yes. to apply what you find there to Come your on. life. You've got to learn to start applying it. See, take the, take the story of David and Goliath. David, the small boy. Goliath, just what it says, he's a giant. Some, some illustrations say that Goliath stood over 11 feet tall. Now, that would be just above the blue paint. Imagine coming at a guy like that. It don't, it don't look that bad from over here, does it? But you put, a, you put a guy that's 5'11 next to it, that's a pretty big span. Right, amen. But you know what? What did David come out? What was his weapon? Anybody remember? What was his weapon that he killed the giant with? Slingshot? And stone? He didn't say it was. He told that giant, I know I was tricking you. <laughs> but that's right. That's what we think of. He came out with a slingshot and stones, but that wasn't his weapon because he said, he said, yeah, you got it. The giant said, I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to kill you. And David said, no. He said, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you with the name of the God of Israel. What does that mean? He had a big image of God on the inside of him. He had a big image, a great image of God on the inside. And it made no sense to David why I shouldn't run after that giant. And if he tries to get away, I'm going to catch him. And I'm going to get his brothers too. You know the story. They chased every one of them out. They did. Why could he do that? The Bible said he hastened toward the giant. You know, Hollywood don't get it, man. Hollywood does not. I've never yet seen a movie about David and Goliath. That didn't make David do this when the giant was coming. The giant, David's doing this number and he's dodging and, and he's scared and he's backing up. But that's not the way God wrote it. God said he hastened toward or ran toward the giant. Got in the giant's face as quick as he could because he had a... Now, now listen. Can I tell you this and let you go? 
God, and that's why I, got, I was on part two about read the Bible and apply it to yourself. God does not expect you to read that and say, if I ever run across a giant, I'll know what to do. He doesn't expect you to do that. But what he does expect you to say is, how can I apply David and John, the Goliath to me? Yeah. It means when they give me an opportunity for that promotion that seems bigger than me, right. I'm going to have such a God on the inside image that I won't be afraid to just run toward it. Amen. You understand that? Yes. And then the third thing, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a hard deal. It's just fellowship around people that speak big of God all the time. Amen. It's going to be real important yes. in these last days who you hang around. Now, that can That's be church. Right. I understand that. You ought to be in a church that talks big about God. Amen. If you, you hang around people that talk about, well, poor old us and, and God's just left us here to, you know, just yeah. hold on to the end. Uh-uh. You'll be one holding on to the end. That's right. Of end of nothing. Get around people that talk big about God. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Say you can do all things through Christ who strengthens yes. you. Amen. And, and then don't live with regret. That, don't write this down, but just think about it. We'll pick up on another time. And, and don't live your life with regret. That's right. Just jump into situations. Come on. Amen. Why don't I? Brother James, why don't I jump in? I see people do it all the time, and I'm always intimidated and hold back. Why don't I just jump in? Because you hadn't got an image of God on the inside of you big enough. Come on. You start reading the Word till that image gets so big that it's the only thing for you to do is run after your Come future. Amen. And then put your whole heart into things. Many people quit around 50 or 60. Just quit in life, looking for a retirement and become no value to anybody. Your greatest days ought to be after 60. Your greatest days ought to be after 70, after 80, after 90. I told a man the other day, man, a man, where were we? The man said something to me about he was 80 years old and and we were off somewhere ministering. I don't remember where it was now. He said, I'm, I'm James, he said, but I'm 80 years old. And I said, no, no, it was somewhere before that. But anyway, he was 80. He told me he was 80. He said, James, I don't know what I can ever do for anybody. I'm 80 years of age. I said, Moses didn't start his ministry until he was 80. Yeah. He looked at me. He'd never heard that. He looked at me and he said, then there's hope for me. Oh, yeah, there's hope for you. I don't, I don't think about who it was. You, you'll help me remember it later. But just this has been in the last few weeks. But the idea is don't live with regret wishing you had a. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd have done something more. If your future requires taking that next course, take it. That's yeah. right. Amen. Jump in it. You're big enough to do it. That's right. Amen. Don't, don't, I wish I had have taken that and got my final uh, degree in that and done more. And I wish I had have got my doctrine in that. I wish I had have done that. Don't live your life with I wish I had a. That's right. Amen. Start today. That's doing right. something big. Get rid of the little you. Yes. Throw him out like, like Enrico did. Just say, little me, get out of there. Right. Out, 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 he said. Out, out, out. Yeah. And overcome with the big you. That's right. Amen. The one that's connected with God. Did you yes. get anything out of that yes. today? Amen. Jump to your feet. Father, we thank you for the yes. word. Amen. We say the word will not return void. You've given us a mission and we're willing to do it.